Romans 6.13 Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. The whole passage pretty much stays on this same thought, this same theme. But God put this Scripture, this one Scripture on my heart, and I just want to share with the Lord I believe He's given me for our church and for you and for me this morning. The Holy Spirit in this passage, y'all, like so many of the New Testament books, the Holy Spirit is not instructing in what we just read there a lost man how to be saved. He's instructing a saved man how to live. Okay? And we're saved men and we need to live like saved men. We need to, uh, to understand that this is for us. Everything is not just uh, giving your life to the Lord. Once we've given our lives to the Lord, there's a new life in Christ. And we're to walk in that. And that's why it says in, in Hebrews, I believe, I believe it's in chapter 6, that uh, leaving the, the principles in the, the, of the doctrine, not leaving them in the sense of abandoning them, but leaving them and going on into deeper things of, of God. And so uh, he says here, the Word of God says, the Holy Spirit says through the man of God, Paul, he says, neither yield ye your members... Your members is actually, when you look it up, it means a limb or a part of your body. That's literally what it means, okay? Neither yield you your members as instruments. That's another word. What kind of instrument? We're talking about a musical instrument? A medical instrument? What are we talking about? Instrument here means a weapon. It means a weapon. Don't yield your body or your members of your body. It could be your eyes. It could be your tongue, what you say. It could be what you set before your eyes. It could be where your feet carry you, what your hands are involved in. Uh, neither yield ye your members as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments or weapons of righteousness unto God. And so uh, this, this to me is very clear, many, one of many passages in the Bible that makes it uh, reveals the spiritual truth, I guess you would say, or the reality that a believer can yield themselves to God even after they're saved, or a believer can, after they're saved, not yield themselves fully to God. Would you agree with that? If there have been times in your life where you're saved, your salvation is not the issue, it's not the question at this point in your life, but you are not fully yielded to God, or maybe in some time past, or some area of your life, you're not fully yielded to God. It's very possible. We know it's possible to be born again and not to be fully yielded to the Lord. But the Word of God is saying, yield yourself to God. It's telling us how to live. There's an instruction. And so, uh, yield yourself. Uh, it's possible that I could yield myself unto sin and unrighteousness, even as a believer. I don't believe, according to the Word of God, that I could, I could stay in that lifestyle. If I've given my life to Christ and said, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I repent. I give my life to You. I believe Your Gospel. I believe You died for my sins, rose again. I have sinned plenty of times since I've been saved, but I don't believe, according to the Word of God, that I could live in that sin and just from here on, forever on, live in sin. Okay? I think we understand that and we see that, but there are times in my life and more than I would choose to, to admit to when I have not yielded to God. And that means if I'm not yielding to God and He's saying, thus saith the Lord, Randy, this is for you, and I'm not yielding to that, then I'm acting in myself. 
I'm acting in. Maybe listening to Satan and being uh, off into some gross sin, or maybe it's just uh, a rebellion. I say just a rebellion. Maybe I'm just acting uh, in my own uh, carnality, what I want to do. But obviously it's possible to, as a believer, to yield myself unto God or not. His only point that I want to make from that living for God as a Christian, living for God, being holy, obeying the Lord, uh, I'm talking about as a pattern, as a lifestyle, okay? Loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind. That's, a, that's just not automatic. Y'all understand that? That's just not automatic. Okay, I'm saved so many years ago when I gave my life to Jesus, the, the autopilot's lit. Um, you know, I'm just on cruise control and everything just falls in place and I'm Moses. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm John the Baptist now. It doesn't just happen that way. I'm as saved as John the Baptist. I'm as saved as the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John and, and, and Timothy and men and women of God that we read about. I'm as saved as they are. But if I'm going to be what God's called me to be, and you are, we need to heed what the Word of God says. He says here in Romans 6, don't yield yourselves unto unrighteousness, unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Righteousness and unto God. And we talk, we've talked a lot about that word yield. It is an action word. It might not be strong like, you know, we think of action words like, you know, running and jumping or building or tearing down or fighting or something real powerful. And, and yet, yield is an action word. It's a verb. And we are to yield. That means to, to put yourself wholly at the disposal, disposal of another. That's an action, right? I put myself wholly, I mean wholly in the sense of completely, at the disposal of another. In this sense, a believer is to yield wholly to God. I'm to put myself completely at the disposal of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you know what? It's not just figures of speech. He bought me with the price. Amen. He bought me with the price, the blood of Jesus. I do not belong to myself. I'm not taking Jesus with me wherever I go and say, Lord, I, you know, come along with me. No, I'm, I'm walking with the Lord. He's leading me. He's directing me. We look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and we walk as He leads us. And He leads us by His Word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so we, we yield to the Lord or we don't yield to the Lord. All right, we have that choice. We as born again men and women have a choice. And it's important for us to see that. Uh, this is uh, the faith we're to walk in. This is God's Spirit we're to live in. You know, walking in the Spirit is God's Word we're to live by and obey. It's a whole new environment, it's a whole new life. In Christ, we've talked about in the last couple of weeks being a new creature in Jesus Christ. Now we're talking about yielding and walking in that life. Last week we talked about the Lord desires to be with us. Everything that the Lord's done is because He wants to be with us. He chose 12 disciples that they may be with Him. And He's chosen us. He sent Jesus that we would be reconciled unto God by faith in Him. Our sins dealt with and forgiven and washed away in the life uh, reconciled unto God. Well, life that's reconciled unto God, and it's only one way, like Eric was talking about at communion, it's only through faith in Jesus Christ, only, and we're saved by faith, and now there's a whole new life to live in. 
I'm a fish in the ocean. I'm going to swim in that ocean. I'm not going to get up and climb a mountain. I'm a fish in the ocean. He's going to stay in the ocean and swim around and do what God created the, the fish to do. But uh, we have a choice, y'all, to yield to God or to not. And I guess if there's one thing that I want us to, to lay hold on this morning in this service and in this sermon is that we would understand that as believers, we have a choice to live for God or not. At every moment, waking moment of our lives, old age, young, newly saved, been saved for 30 years, wherever you are in your walk with God, if you're truly saved, you and I have a choice to, to yield to the Lord or not. And if I'm yielding unto God, then that's I'm yielding my members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, if I'm not yielding to God, then I'm yielding myself to what's ever outside of Christ. And I can do that. And I have done that. And it's called sin. And I say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of that sin, but I don't want to live that way. I don't want to stay in that pattern. Six months from now, I'm still you know, wallowing around in the same sin like a pig in the, in the mire. Okay, I want to come out of that. The Lord's, I always think about this, this phrase, the Lord saved us uh, from our sin. He, he, didn't, he saved me in my sin, but he, didn't, he saved me from my sin as well. He didn't just save me and, and say, okay, you're a sinner and I love you and I save you. He did that. But He saved me from my sin. He loved me in my sin, but He didn't leave me in my sin. He brought me out. Clean out. And that's the way we're to live. Sometimes we turn back. You know, sometimes we get back in the mud and then we say, God, forgive me. What was I thinking? It was wrong. It was rebellion. Wash me again and make me clean. He does every time. I belong to Him. I don't cease being His child because I turn back to the mud for a little while. But I cease at that moment yielding to God. I ceased at that moment being where I needed to be and what's best for me and what's most most glorifying to God is that we yield to the Lord and that we walk with Him. Here's the way that I see it. I believe that every man, woman, and child, you have the one, we're talking about a choice. You have a choice to live for God or not. Everyone has the big choice of saying yes to Christ as Savior and Lord or no. Okay? And I'm talking about being born again, uh, salvation through trusting in Jesus. Even in the Old Testament, I'll just read this from Joshua 24. We know the Scripture. And if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day. So what is he saying? He's talking to a mass of people. The whole congregation of Israel. There's all types of people there. They all came out of Egypt. They all came through the wilderness. Okay, And they're on the brink of the Promised Land after 40 years about to go in. They grew up in the wilderness. All right? And now he says, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, the other side of the, uh, of the Red Sea parting, I believe, or the gods of the Amorites in whom, whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So there's this big choice which God are you going to serve? And making no choice of all, you've already made a choice. Talking about for a lost man. Making no choice of all, kicking the can down the road, a problem to deal with another day, we've already made a choice. Because the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We die in Christ with our sins forgiven, or we die outside of, of Christ, still with the weight of our sins, and it does our sins 
that separate between us and our God. And so, but he says you can serve the gods that your fathers served, these idols back in Egypt, which we were talking about on Wednesday nights, right, in our study on Moses, or you can serve the, the God of the Amorites. And this is the land where we currently are in the wilderness. I'm going to serve their gods. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We can make a conscious choice. We can make a decision to serve God. And so the big choice to serve God, to give our life to Christ or not. But I believe after that even, and think about your own life, your own walk with God, even after you've said, I do, kind of like marriage. You know, take the big plunge. I'm marrying this person for the rest of my life. We're brought together. And uh, you, you say, I, even after you say, I do to Jesus to be Lord and Savior, there are, I would think, and I don't know, this is not a scripture, I would think there's one or two other maybe monumental choices in your life to, to go on with God or not. Even as a believer. And maybe that happened at the time you got saved and you just never looked back. You were 100% in as far as your lifestyle, your, your yieldedness to God and so forth from the day you got saved. But maybe uh, you're, you're like me or maybe some others that I was saved and truly saved, but I was trying to walk this narrow fence between the world and in Christ. The world and the church. Doing what God wants me to do over here. Still hanging on to at least some of the things that were important to me over here in the world. For me, it was friends. Okay? But we have those monumental choices even after we're saved. And for me, it was monumental. I can remember it like my salvation. I can remember where I was when I prayed to give my life to Jesus at a church here in town. I can remember where I was when I, probably about five years after that, where I said, enough, I'm sick of this. Sick of living a compromised life. I'm sick of it. I'm either going to go back to the world 100% or I'm going to live for God. I'm sick of this in-between, lukewarm. God was sick of it. He says He is. I was sick of it. And I surrendered fully to the Lord by myself in my apartment at LSU. He spoke very clearly to me. I remember it very clearly. I can remember when it was. I was just going into my last semester at LSU. And I surrendered everything to God. Now, I'm not saying never sinned since then. I am saying the, the, the question about serving God or not or going on with God or not has never been an issue again for me. I'm going with the Lord. He picks me up out of my sins still when I sin, but it's not that compromised life where I was hiding my candle under a bushel and living one foot in the world and one foot in the church. So we have decisions like that. A choice to yield to God even after we're saved in those big moments where He's really wanting to get hold of your life. Maybe it's a surrender to His will to, to some kind of calling on your life like missions or ministry. And you had these plans. I wanted to be a lawyer and I wanted to do this and I wanted to have a ham family with 2.5 kids, you know, and a big house. I wanted This is what I've always dreamed of having. And God says, no, this is what I have for you. And even as a believer... It was a struggle and you wrestled, you and God, and nobody knows but you and the Lord, and you surrendered to the Lord. We have choices like that in life. And then I, then I know all of us, all of us as believers, have a choice after we've given our life to Christ. We have the millions or the myriads of choices daily, don't we? In every situation. I'm going to watch this TV show or not. I'm going to engage in this conversation or not. I'm going to uh, 
pick up my Bible and read today or not. doesn't mean you're lost if you didn't pick up your Bible and read it today. It does mean we have millions, I don't know how many, but we have daily choices. And those little daily choices are so important. Those little daily choices add up. Because you know what those little daily choices make? They make a pattern. They make a pattern. Reading my Bible today or not reading today, what's the big deal? But if I read my Bible today and I read it tomorrow and I read it the next day, but before you know it, I'm reading my Bible and I'm staying in the Word of God. And if I well, I got too busy really to pray like I wanted to yesterday or like I should have, what's the big deal? Well, in one sense, it's not a big deal in the sense that you didn't lose your salvation over that, okay? But it adds up to a lifestyle. It adds up to a pattern. And when the Lord, Word of God says that, that be holy as He is holy, as the, as the Lord am holy, in all manner of conversation, that means lifestyle, behavior. It's, it shows a, a long haul. It shows a pattern, like a repeated pattern. And repeated patterns matter. I always use sports because I, I played sports. It matters. Not just that you showed up to practice once and did everything the coach told you to uh, on this day. You were the model ball player at practice that day. It's really not going to matter if for the next next two months you make about three more practices. What you do is you build a pattern to where it becomes almost instinct to to know how to get in a three-point stance or know how to uh, to take a handoff from the quarterback. If you're on this side, you take it this way. If you're on that side, you just get to where you know that. And that is important in, in everything in life. Well, how much more in our life than Christ? I'm not saying it's sheer discipline. I'm not saying that. There's a life of God in us. It's, it's an unction from the Holy One that's leading us and empowering us and calling us. I am saying those daily choices, maybe even hourly choices, to yield to God or not yield to God are important. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. He's, he is the third person of the Trinity. He can be grieved by my life, by my actions, inactions, by my faith or unbelief, by my sin and rebellion or my, or my yieldedness. He, he can be grieved. We can quench the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that. And so uh, we need to, to have a lifestyle where, in, where we're embracing the will of God where we're yielded to the will of God. Even if we don't fully understand it, we can trust Him. And we can believe in Him. We can hang on to Him. And it's so daily repeated in every situation. And, and I'll read it again. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And I will say this, the more that you and I will yield to God in every situation, every thus saith the Lord, every uh, uh, prompting of the Holy Spirit, if you belong to Him, you know what I'm talking about. He convicts, He speaks, He leads, He guides. You know, Randy, don't say what you're about to say. You know what I mean? Don't say it. Yes, Lord, I'm not going to say it. Or, well, I just want to say it. And we spit something out, okay? It's not of God. God forgive me, right? But the more we yield to the Lord in every circumstance, in every situation, the more naturally, I guess it's supernaturally, but the more normal that will become for your life. That's an absolute fact. If it's strange to you to pray, it's going to be harder for you to pray tomorrow. 
Not impossible, okay? But if it's normal for you to pray and you turn to the Lord in everything, and like Peter was talking about in Sunday school, uh, we pray without ceasing, but there's also set times that we pray. This is my time with the Lord. The more that you and I do that, I'm just using prayer for an example. The more that you and I yield to the Lord in something like prayer, the more normal that will be for us. It'll be strange for us not to pray. In fact, we'll hate it. I missed my time with God today. You know those days, and I'm just throwing this out, Peter and William and I went fishing down at the coast uh, a week ago. And uh, I've been years since I've been down there, but it's, you know, it's a deal where you get up at whatever time in the morning, some crazy time in the morning. You know, we're going to get up at 4 and we're going we're gonna to be eating breakfast at 5 and on the water by 5.30 or whatever. That's not normal for me. It might be somebody that works shift work or something like that. But I had to adjust. I, I wanted to still make sure at some point I got my prayer time in that day. I know it sounds strange, but I, I, did, I didn't want to go without that. It wasn't like, shame on you if you don't. It was like, this is part of my life. It was strange for me if I didn't have it. And so the Lord helped me to have it. But my point is, the more that we'll yield to God and trust Him and obey Him, the more normal and regular that will be for us. And that's where we want to be, right? I want to be to where living with God and for God and in obedience to His Word and trusting God when things look crazy and impossible, that that's normal for me as a pattern. And I have those little blips on the radar where I might fall in, in sin and God forgive me or I fall into fear and doubt or worry. God forgive me. But I want that to be an oddity and not normal for my life. And, and you could say that the same for, you know, for not yielding to the, to the Lord. But how does, how does the believer actually do this? How do we actually in practice live this way? How do I actually in practice day by day um, yield to the Lord when actually everything in this life, and honestly think about everything in this life, and I'm saying everything outside of Christ, but everything in this life is contrary to that life in Jesus. Everything in this, this life and in this world is contrary to you uh, knowing God and then to walking closely with the Lord day by day, obeying Him, walking uh, in, in, in the ways of God. Everything in this life is contrary to that mindset. The world doesn't think like that, right? The world doesn't think, even if the world wants to be, quote, moral in certain areas and, you know, faithful to their spouses or whatever, the world doesn't have the mindset of eternity like you have. I'm in the world, but not of it. I'm, I'm a stranger and I'm a, I'm a pilgrim. I'm a blood-bought saint of God. I belong to God. I'm yielded to Him. He's the good shepherd and I follow His voice. The world doesn't understand that. They don't have that mindset. And everything in this world is contrary to the Christian life, contrary to the Christian mindset, contrary to Christian behavior, contrary to Christian practice, contrary to the hope that you and I have in Jesus. You know, I'm not saying that there's not problems with the environment or there's not climate change, but I'm not the world that doesn't know God. They jump on that bandwagon and they're scared to death because that's the only hope that they have. You understand what I'm saying? This, this world perpetuating forever and ever and enduring forever and ever. And yet we have a hope in the Lord. I just want to read this scripture 
Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, if you if you want to turn to it, it's John 17, 14 through 16. I have given them thy word. Now, Jesus is at, this is his last supper with his disciples. This night he's going to be arrested. The next day he'll be crucified and, and buried. And he says to his father, he's praying with his disciples present with him. I have given them these disciples, these followers of mine, thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. So they were the disciples were not of the world, but they were not of the world in the same sense that Christ was not of the world. They weren't just weirdos. I mean, the earth's full of weirdos that are outcasts of society and just different oddballs. But it's not just that as Christians we're oddballs, we're not of the world as He is not of the world. There's a holiness. There's an eternal mindset. There's a desire to please God in all things. All things to please God, not myself, not people around me. To live a different life. And the world has hated them. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, we will be taken out one day. But I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Some people say it's translated evil one, but either way, we know the picture. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So we're not of the world. Uh, there are people, like I said, that are just peculiar. They drop out. They live a different way. They march the beat of a different drummer, so to speak. But our difference is Christ. Our difference is Christ. All kinds of different personalities in this room right here. Different ages, different personalities, uh, different walks and jobs and careers and likes and dislikes in your life. But our thing that ties us together is the unity of the Spirit, the blood of Jesus. We're different. All of us are different in the same way. We're all different in the same way. We're as not of the world as Christ was not of the world. Everything in this life and in this world is opposed to Jesus. Everything in this life. I'm not talking about the church or the Bible or the things of God. But everything else is opposed to the life that we have in Christ. And is active, actively combating your trying to live a godly life. And trying to undermine your faith to where you don't even believe it anymore. We've all been through things that would undermine our faith. We scratch our heads and say, a big, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Lord, why? And you fill in the blank. Why did this happen? How could so-and-so do such a thing? And we wonder. We have things that try to undermine our faith. There's nothing in this life that is going to build you up and say you're doing great. Keep on. Keep your eyes on Jesus other than the Lord. His church body. His Word. The Holy Spirit. And that's enough. He tells us that's enough. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. We're in the world, but not of the world. But we're protected and we're sealed. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that they should be kept from the evil. Well, the Lord's praying for us. Amen. So everything is contrary to the believer and combating the believer to, in the sense of living for God at every turn. Every turn. The second that you walk out of here, and get in your car and go to a restaurant or wherever, or look at a billboard, or hear a conversation in a restaurant, or think about work tomorrow and what the people are going to be talking about at work tomorrow, whatever, that those things are going to come against your peace and against your joy and against your holiness and trying to live for God. But the Lord is for us. 
Everything is contrary to us, but Almighty God is for us and all of His grace and all of His gracious provisions for us and all of His merciful dealings with our lives and His forgiveness and all of His might that's at work in our lives. He's working in us to do what's pleasing to his, in His sight. The Bible tells us that. The Bible says that He is a very present help in trouble. Present means He's present. Okay? We're not going to look up the word. Present means present. He's here with us. He's a very present help in trouble. And He is always helping us with all the things that come against our lives. The psalmist said, David said, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? It's a rhetorical question. He's already said, I'm not going to fear. Why? The Lord is on my side. Well, it's the only thing that's on His side is the Lord. It's okay. The Lord is on my side. Everything is against me. A host of Philistines is against me. King Saul is trying to kill me. Okay, Those that, that were close to me have betrayed me and they're trying to kill me too. Read through the Psalms. He got betrayed many times. He got surrounded by enemies. He got people whispering about Him and gossiping about Him right outside the door uh, and saying all kinds of horrible things about Him, looking for some trap to get in. And yet he says, the Lord's on my side. I will not fear what am I saying? I'm saying that we can yield to God. We can yield to God and keep our eyes on the Lord and walk with the Lord and, and, and continue to do that. The, the psalmist also said, David says in Psalm 119.33, Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? Order my steps how? In your word, first of all. And then he prays, I see the prayer for the strength to do it. It's not enough to have the Bible and read it and say, okay, I got it. I got it. I got my marching orders here. I know exactly how I'm to live. To the T. You might know the Bible inside and out. I've got it. Okay, I know the pitfalls and the snares of the devil. I know what's pleasing to God. I know what I'm commanded to do as a New Testament believer. That We have to know that. But it's not enough to know that if we don't have the ability or the power to do it to walk it out. We do have the power and the ability to do it. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am the vine, you're the branches, right? Abide in me and my words abide in you. You'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Here does my Father glorify that you bear much fruit. It's God who works in you, both to will, uh, will and do of His good pleasure. pleasure. And here we see let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So here's a man who is calling to God to say, don't let sin and iniquity have dominion over me. He's asking. He knows what he's supposed to do. He delights in the law of the Lord. He knows out of it comes great wisdom. It's salvation comes from knowing God as His Word directs us to Him. But that's not enough. He's saying, don't let, Lord... Don't let iniquity have dominion over me. That's a good prayer, right? That's what we ought to be praying. It's not just show me what to do. Lord, now empower me to do it, to live this way. You might have been fighting against the same sin in your life that trips you up, and maybe you've gotten to a point you don't even fight against it anymore. Honestly, you, you, you've learned to you know, cohabitate with it. It's just part of your life. As a believer, you put up with this sin and just, okay, I'm always going to lose my temper. I'm always in this situation. They know how to push my button. I'm going to do it every time. 
don't even fight it anymore. I'm going to worry. When it comes to finances or when it comes to this or that relationship, I'm always going to worry. I've tried to give it to God. But we have to, by His strength, know that it's possible. And He is the deliverer. Not only one time, big time to save me, but He is the deliverer to deliver me. He is a very present help in trouble. And He does not want any iniquity and worry, for example. That would be iniquity. He doesn't want dominion, iniquity to have dominion in your life. He doesn't want it to have dominion in my life. And so we call upon the Lord. And I'm going to be uh, moving on, but the instruction given by the Lord in Romans 6.13 that we opened for, open with is to believers. About yielding yourselves unto God. There's one thing that I want to bring out here in the second part of this, this sermon. Look, at, look back, if you still have your Bibles, at Romans 6.13. It's, it gives a, a, a way. In other words, how am I to yield myself unto God? As right, unto righteousness. He says, as, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Now I think that that, I know that that's put there for a reason. We, you and I are to yield ourselves to God at every turn, every waking moment, okay, as those that are alive from the dead. You and I need to be convinced that this resurrection life is a reality. I'm not just talking about in your doctrinal statement. You go to the website and you see that in our doctrinal statement. But you and I need to be convinced and convicted of the fact that this is a reality in my life. This resurrection life. As those that are alive from the dead. The Bible says, Jesus said, uh, the Gospel of John says, in Him was life and the life was the light of men. That's the life that we have in Christ. And by faith we are to reckon or count that as being so. We have to count that as being so. If you're still in chapter 6, look at verses 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? Newness of life. Yield yourselves unto God and unto righteousness as those that were raised from the dead. As those that were raised from the dead. And so, in other words, it's almost like it's... uh, We need to count the fact that personally I'm born again. That I have new life. He has raised me from the dead. One day our bodies will be raised from the dead. After they die and go in the grave, the bodies will have a resurrection. But spiritually, you and I already, if we've trusted Christ as Savior, we have been raised from the dead. We've been born again. And it's befitting. In other words, it's, it's proper to live as one who's raised from the dead. I know it sounds so simple, but the Bible says, but you, but you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, 1. And we're going to read some of that in just a little while. But you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And we're to yield ourselves fully to the Lord. We have to see who and what we are in Christ now that we're alive from the dead uh, spiritually. What He's made us. What He's making us. What's happened to me? What's going on in my life to where he, when He's called me to live a holy life? It's not impossible. 
Yield yourself. How can I yield to you, God? The temptation's so strong. You can yield yourself as one who's alive from the dead. I, I know I've shared this story with you before. I don't know if it's a true story or if it's a little myth story, but either way, it's a good one. I remember the uh, second mission trip I ever went on. We were going down pretty deep into Mexico, eight or ten hours down there, and we were going to be building a church and, and witnessing down there. And our, our, basically our host, who was from Mexico, was the night before we started, we had all traveled all day and drove a bus and, and um, got down there in the night. We were eating supper and he shared a little devotional and he was sharing with us. He goes, there was a story about an Indian tribe and it was a, a, one of the smaller tribes and a lot of their warriors and soldiers had been killed off by a rival tribe. And there was a huge... Uh, very powerful enemy tribe that was coming to to take them, coming to attack. And they could hear the, the war drums beating and they knew that the battle was imminent. And so here's just one chief and his couple of little braves left and all the women and children and everything. And they really are in, a, in dire straits. They think it's just over for them, that there's no hope for them. Well, he calls his three, the chief calls his three main soldiers his main bravest warriors who had proved themselves in battle. And he has them tied up to stakes and he's about to light a fire under them. I mean, he's got fire and he's about to light and burn up his three top warriors. Well, the battle's tomorrow. The battle's imminent. And everybody went rushing in, grabbing him and say, Chief, what are you doing? You're crazy. You know, this is our three best warriors. We barely have a chance now and you're going to have them killed before we ever go to fight. And he, he looked at those three warriors and he said, uh, you're dead now. Go fight like dead men. It did speak to my heart because I understood the point. We're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's Christ in me. And so I need to reckon that. When the Bible says in Romans 6 to reckon yourselves indeed dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Reckon is not, oh, I reckon so. Okay? Reckon means to count it as being so. By faith, I'm believing this and standing on it, standing on it as a fact. And I'm going to live this way. And so these three soldiers, you're dead now. Go fight like a dead man. In other words, you got nothing to lose. Put it all out there. All of it. 99% of it. Put it all out there. I don't know what happened in the battle, by the way. But, but the point is, for us... That that is a fact. It's not that was a story or an analogy, but in reality, that is a, the truth. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. We were dead in our sins and trespass, trespasses. We were. We were that before He saved us and gave us new life, not just any kind of life. His life in us, eternal life, abundant life. I was that way, and you know what? When I was in sin and lost and separated from Christ and in darkness, it just naturally came for me to... The sin came natural. I have to think or prepare to go out and sin tonight. Okay? It just came naturally. I lived for myself. Let's look at this. We're not going to have to do more Scripture. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read 1 through 3. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, 
where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, as the, the uh, Satan, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You know what, y'all? This is very clear, that little passage. If I'm, if I'm lost, that's still where I am. If you're here today and you haven't given your life to Christ, please give your life to Christ. Because if you have not given your life to Christ and you're not born again, that's still where you are. By nature, a child of wrath. But it says we, we, were, we were that, and because we were that, we lived that way. I always use the example. It's in the Foundations book. You take a pig, and you take a pig from the pig pen if you're a farmer. And you bring the pig inside. And you say, you know what? I really like this pig. I want to make him one of the family. And you put him in the tub and you wash him up and you maybe put some little clothes on him, okay, and a bow tie around his neck and put a little perfume on him, sit him up at the dinner table. What happens if you open the door for one second? That pig's going out, he's running out the door, he's going to the mud, he's swallowing in the mud, and you say, Well man, I just bathed him, I put this bow tie on his neck and some perfume on him and got him looking good. Uh, it doesn't matter. He by nature is a pig. And he's going to live like a pig. When we were sinners, the best of sinners, and I'm using that word in a facetiously, but when we were sinners, we were by nature that. And because we were that by nature, we had no problem living that way. That just came naturally. Living uh, that way. Sin. Walking according to the course. That means the age of this world. It means, I looked up that word course. Walk, we lived according to the course of this world before we were saved. That means always, regularly, earnestly. We always lived according to the course of this world. If you want to give a lot of money to charity and you were lost, you're still living according to the course of this world. Because it was just something you wanted to do and so you did it. You're not living for God. You have no regret about your sin. No conviction of your sin. You're living for yourself. And if making other people happy makes you happy, then you'll do that. But it's nothing sanctified or holy about it. Okay? And so, we lived according to the course of this world regularly and earnestly. The prince of the power of the air. That's the, the enemy. Our conversation was of the world. We were fulfilling the lust and desires of the flesh and mind. Because in our sin, outside of Christ, that was our nature. And we just did it. It came so easily to us, we were spiritually dead. How does this relate to what we're talking about? No matter how good we thought we were before we were saved and born again, no matter how respectably when we wanted to, we could appear to people, we were sinners. Lost in sin, and by nature, children of wrath. No matter how when we were lost, how much better we thought we were than people around us, I don't do that, and I don't do that, and I'm not in Angola, and I don't do that. And we think we're better than people around us. We were by nature children of wrath. Not only children of wrath, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. That's what the Bible says. This is why Paul says, I believe, thank God, thanks be unto God, for His unspeakable gift. Because we were dead in sins and trespasses, not even looking for God or seeking after God. We were by nature children of wrath, and the wrath of God was hanging over our heads and about to come down, maybe closer than what we thought. 
indescribable gift that, the, that God gave. Let's keep reading in Ephesians. We're going to close. Verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the... <coughs> That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. This is what the Lord has done for us. Excuse me. There's another verse in Ephesians. It says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. But there's not a period there. Walk as children of light. If, if I could sum up the sermon in this, it would go back to, to the first verse we read from Romans 6.13. Don't yield yourselves to sin and unrighteousness, but as a man or woman that truly is alive from the dead by this new birth, yield yourselves unto God and unto righteousness. You were darkness. He didn't say you, sometime you walked in darkness. That would have been true as well. But in Ephesians 5.8 it says, for you were, you were sometimes darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Then the, what's the instruction? That's a fact. Now what's the admonition? Walk as children of light. If I was to say one thing to you today, or God would say one thing to us today, yield yourself to God, not unto sin and unrighteousness. You are now alive from the dead. If you're saved, you're alive from the dead. You're, you were darkness, now you're light. Walk like you belong to Christ. Live like you belong to Christ. Such were some of you, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 6. It talks about fornicators and adulterers and drunkards and all that. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God living in that lifestyle. But he goes on to say, such were some of you. We're not that anymore. It's not just that we're, we used to drink a lot, now we don't drink as much. I, he, Paul's talking there about you were a drunkard and now you're saved. There's a big difference. I didn't taper down my drinking a little bit, but still kind of long for it. <clears throat> I was that. I was a fornicator. I was a drunkard. I was effeminate. I was an abuser of myself and mankind. I was that. But now I'm sanctified. Now I'm washed. Now I'm justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Well, guess what? With that new life He's given me comes a new life He's given me. Walk it out. To live that way. To walk that way. It's wonderful to live that way. It's a joy to live that way. The psalmist says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So He gives us the strength and the help to do it. Amen. And to walk out that way. I want you to stand with me this morning. And I pray that of everything that was said, that that would just sink into it. How do I yield to God? First of all, He gives me the strength to do it. I need to call upon Him to do it. Because we need to yield to God at every turn. Every turn, every decision, every moment. There's choices to yield to God or not. The call of God is not different for you than it is for me or someone else. We're to yield to God. Our all, everything. We have to call upon the Lord for the strength to do it. And we have to do it in, with a mindset and, and our heart set that as those that are alive from the dead. But wait a minute, God, I was dead in my trespasses and sins and You quickened me. 
I was by nature that sinner, but I'm not by nature. I still have a sinful nature. I can sin, but I'm not by nature a sinner. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh and had nothing in me. Satan had no way to tempt. He could try to tempt Jesus, but he had no hooks in him to get him to, to go into sin. Well, that's the Christ that lives in us. That's the Holy Spirit that lives in us. I need to walk in the Spirit. I need to yield to the Spirit. And I need to reckon myself dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. I've sinned plenty since I've been saved. But I need to reckon it by faith that my positional standing in Christ is one that's in victory over sin. Because He counts me as being dead. When I came into Christ, that life had to go by the wayside. Crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Can we just take some time with the altars? I'm not asking you to come to me necessarily and confess some ongoing sin in your life. Uh, but you get with God and ask Him to forgive you. If you've not been yielding to God in everything, you might know right now. I already know what I'm not yielding to God. Well, today's the day to give it to Him. Maybe you think you've been doing pretty well and God wants to show you, hey, you're doing well, but there's some things still that you're not yielded fully to me. And I want to strengthen you to do it. I've got a blessed life for you to live and you're, you're holding yourself back. Not from heaven. You're holding yourself back from all that I have for you in Christ. And, and you just want to yield that to God. So Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we as a church and me individually, we want to say, Lord, I'm, I want to yield myself not unto sin and unrighteousness, but I want to yield my members as instruments of righteousness unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Because You made us alive from the dead. You had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You were sometimes darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That's all we're saying this morning. And this is our altar call, Lord, that you're leading us to. We want to walk as children of light because we are that. Not in order to try to become saved, but because we are saved. We are forgiven. We are justified. We are washed in the blood of Jesus. We have already received the gift of eternal life. And God, we want to live that way. And for you to be honored through our lives, God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.